this. With the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It's Wednesday evening. It's a bit cold and damp here in Cork. I don't know what it's like in Dublin and all, but it's great to be talking some Bears football after we had a proper week off. Not like the week off I said when we played Green Bay, so let's not talk about that. And we're joined by a fantastic guest. We're talking about, talking about Jack Wright from the Bear Down podcast. First of all, Jack, before I go any further, congratulations on a year of that show. Absolutely fantastic show. Our good friend Ryan Dangle. Um, how you've lasted a year with Ryan. Fair play to you doing that. Very much impressed. <laughs> but no, it's a great show. It's it's one of the ones that if any Bears fans are, are watching the show, make sure you jump onto that as well. Fantastic show. What's life in Chicago going for you, like Jack? It's going really well. Thank you so much for having me on. And you're right. It is a struggle to try to you can do a Ryan Dangle for a full year, but I do everything I can to uh, to to make it work. You know, he's he's a, he's a tough guy to be around. No, he's yeah. he's incredible. You guys are incredible. I've really <laughs> loved watching your show and, and listening to you. It's a little cold here, um, and uh, I, I think the cold must be affecting Lamar Jackson a little bit too because he missed practice today. So uh, he was sick. Um, yeah, so but can I really but, quickly say something to yeah, you guys? Well, quick. Uh, you're my people. I'm so excited to be on. Um, my grandmother, who lived to be 101 years old, her maiden name was Deneen. She was Mary Deneen. And her grandparents came in the mid-1800s from Cork County, Ireland. Yes. So yes. I'm so excited. You're my people. I'm so excited <laughs> to be on with you. Thank you so much. All right, Jack, before we get into Bears, and Kieran's not here so I can do it. This is fantastic timing. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Cork is a separate uh, county to anywhere else in Ireland. 
So okay. we refer to ourselves as the People's Republic of, of Cork. Okay. So we're completely separate. So when people say to you that you're Irish, don't say you're Irish. Say you're from okay. Cork. Completely different place. Okay. That's appreciated. <laughs> if you're listening, Literally, I love the fact the first four minutes of the Chicago Bears show was talking about how great Cork is. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Um, Jack, <laughs> it's brilliant to have you on. And, and literally, we've also already got in the chat. We've got Ryan. So it's great to see you. Not nice. That's a bit harsh, Ryan. But we're delighted to have you on as well, my man. Again, Ryan, brilliant on the, on the Bear Down Report. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on. And really, really proud to connect with the Bear Down Report. About myself and Noel have had connections with the Bear Down Report as well. So really, really appreciate your time and coming along, Jack. Really do. Um, so look, look. let's start where we're, where we're starting. It's been a week without, the, without Bears football. So first of all, Noel, I'll come to you. Um, withdrawal symptoms yet? Well, with no Bears football, I just went and got really drunk at the weekend, so I'm still recovering from that. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Not for the same reason I get drunk when I'm watching Bears football. Sometimes that's a, a very different reason for it. But no, I mean, look, no matter how the season is going, it's 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 always tough to have that bye week. It just it feels it feels like such a long time now since you've watched them play. Uh, and the kind of the worst thing is as well is Fields was really starting to click and the offense was starting to click, and then suddenly this break. So now the question is, is it a good break? Are they going to work on these things and, and improve them to continue this kind of upswing? Or is it a break where it's going to kind of cut that momentum a bit? And what are we going to get now this weekend? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, Jack, I think we'll start with that because, again, we saw a lot of development in the Steelers game. We saw a lot of progression in what we're looking at from, from a Bears offense that we started to see stuff click. And I was, I was given off an abuse uh, on here two weeks ago because I said the game was going to be 32 points to 30 and literally all my co-hosts and the guests laughed at me. I wasn't far off, by the way. Um, looking back at it now, 10 or so days afterwards, what's your kind of take on what you saw from that game? And more importantly, one, what development do you want to see going forward for the rest of the season? And two, we're on a four-game losing streak and yet we seem to be still happy. Is that just purely because of Justin Fields? That's a great question. I mean, I think what last game showed us was that Justin Fields is real. I mean, it was the coming out party for JF1. His athleticism, his accuracy, his leadership, it's unquestioned. Uh, we are extraordinarily lucky, luck, extraordinarily lucky to have drafted uh, what I think is the first franchise quarterback that I've seen in my lifetime, who seemingly has all of the tools. <laughs> and so that part of it, I think, is is unquestionable. Uh, there's no doubt. To your second question, I, I do think it's a little bit of Bears goggles. I mean, it, we played a, a good fourth quarter, and we lost the football game. It's as if people forgot. <laughs> and we tend to be pretty bad off buys. So, I mean, we like to get excited about our players. We can we talk about this in more depth later. But it's kind of all we've got is those players to be excited on because we don't have any consistency in the franchise from year to year to year. Um, you know, we're a, we're an upside down franchise. We're not the Roonies. We're not the crafts. We're not, you know, the types of franchise that can just plug and play players. So we get excited about the players that we have when they're really, really good, because that's, I think mostly what we have from year to year. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it's fair to say that people did get caught up in the Justin Fields scenario, especially at the Steelers game because of the way we turned around and the way we really kind of put ourselves in a position to win. But no, I'll bring you in here. And we brought, we spoke with this last week. We get our chance to win. We're leading. We're, we're going down a stretch. 
and yet again our defense are giving up big plays, and yet again we're we're losing a game that is a tight one, and it's because of the defense. And I think Roquan came out afterwards as the leader of that defense, and basically put it on the D again. Um, and then we're we're going to a boy, and we're thinking, okay, this is a great chance for Mac to get fit, and a great chance for Hicks to get fit, and a great chance for Eddie Jackson uh, to get fit, right? And suddenly. We see again when we have our Wednesday review of our of our uh, inactive players for for training, and all those three names are back on it. In fact, throw in more names, and Danny Trevathan didn't practice, and I think a few others didn't practice as well. And yeah, I can hear people saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter; it's only training." But the defense really has to show up this weekend, doesn't it? No, it really does. Look, like you mentioned there, this this is a real seesaw team. We can never get a balance. Either one is up and one is down, or when we finally get the offense trending maybe up, then the defense goes the opposite way. It's it's just it's it's kind of strange to see. But as you say, like there, there has been a lot of injuries, but I don't know. There's still this defense. I was expecting a lot more from this defense. Now, if I'm honest. Uh, I know we got a lot of pressure up front earlier on and we were looking good there and we all knew the secondary, it just, it was what it was. I mean, I, I don't think we realised how much we'd missed Jackson when he actually went out, but for all his faults, you do see that hole that le- he leaves behind. But I mean, they do, they they need to get it sorted now. I mean, at this stage, I think f- for me as a fan anyway, I'm just looking at this season as... I don't think we can win anything, and I just want to see progression, specifically with Fields, but with other younger players who look good as well. But obviously, the coaching staff aren't looking at it like that because they're only about two games out of the playoffs, technically. So, you know, so they need to be on their A game just to kind of make up that gap. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to pin this team down, as Jack says. Like you don't really know what you get from week to week, and you know, coming from a boy. As Jack as well mentioned, we're just not very good at that historically, especially with Nagy. So, yeah, I, I think this weekend is definitely going to be an interesting match one way or the other. Right. I'm going to try and go through as much of this episode without the without the word Matt and Nagy put in the same sentence. Okay. Because I think we've burnt it to death. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's just not going to work. And hopefully he won't be here next year. Let's just leave it at that. It's an interesting point you made, Noel, about somebody where we what we want to see for the rest of the season. And one of the things that we spoke at the start of the year about what we really wanted to see was was Tevin Jenkins and, and our and our hope for Tevin Jenkins and our expectations for Tevin Jenkins on that offensive line. And it goes. This is a question I'm going to go back to you, Jack, a little bit of what what you said earlier on about the the kind of where we in Chicago are desperate for people to do so well and we're desperate for Bears players to do so well. And this guy was projected to come to us at, at number twenty. At this, before the draft was done, and suddenly in day two of the draft, myself and Noel were on a live show, and we have Tevin Jenkins and we have Justin Fields on our draft board, and we're thinking this is the way forward. And obviously, we know what happened with his injury, and we obviously know what, what went with that. But with the idea that literally there's Tevin Jenkins returns to practice as literally the, the kind of headline that people were jumping up and down about, what do you what is a genuine expectation for Tevin Jenkins for the rest of this year? I think I'm going to be a little bit of a wet blanket because I, I think to your point, point answer, there, we do depend so much on the success of our players that you hear that you get real excited, as you mentioned, because of the draft. But I mean, the reality is he's going to get to practice uh, one time in full pads with limited contact this week, this week. I highly doubt he plays next week. Then maybe he's going to get two contact practices before week 13 in Arizona. And then they have to decide what they're going to do with him roster wise, depending on how he performs. 
So if you're looking at a guy who you think is going to play left tackle and protect the blind side, and you think that Jenkins is going to be ready to do that, it's very highly unlikely. He missed all of training camp. He missed all of preseason. And he had back surgery, (laughs) you know? Uh, I don't know how your backs are, but everybody I've ever known that has any problems with their back, it's chronic, right? So, and, and plus, you don't know where he's going to play. I mean, there's just there's just no way to know. There's so many what ifs and so many scenarios, and we don't know exactly how the Bears are going to handle it. So, you know, to me, add the speed of the game, add the physicality of the game. All these things are unknown. Is he an absolute stud out of college? Was he a, a super high draft pick? Absolutely. Could he come in and could he um, play well early? Sure. But I just think you got to kind of consider the idea of, like I said, minimal full full contact practices before you even, you know, even consider putting him in a game. And this is an interesting one that I've been thinking about a lot. <laughs> it's interesting, Jackie said about how lucky we got and get Justin Fields. I regularly on this show turn around and say the thank you to Aaron Rodgers. Because for me, Aaron Rodgers is the reason we got Justin Fields. Because Aaron Rodgers threw dummy out of his pram. Denver thought they were going to get him. Carolina thought they might get him. And then suddenly we get a scenario where Justin Fields drops to 11 and we get him. Had we not got Justin Fields, so had Aaron Rodgers not threw his dummy out of the out of the pram, and let's say he goes to Denver and we're sitting there with Tevin Jenkins, so we probably don't move up and we stay at 20. Most likely we would have taken Tevin Jenkins at 20. No, in all seriousness... If we'd have taken Tevin Jenkins at 20, do you think the Bears organization may have looked at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace in a completely different mindset at the boy right now? Would there potentially have been a chance that they may no longer be employed? I don't even want to imagine our shows if Tevin Jenkins had to be an Air Force <laughs> round pick. Another, another, another player coming in with an injury, another tackle or another O-lineman coming in with an injury. Oh, no, look, if Tevin Jenkins is our number one pick and his injury goes the way it goes... Pace is is probably already gone. I mean, that would be that would be disastrous given everything that's gone on and the kind of the way things have been a bit down lately. You know, the last couple of seasons, fans aren't happy. You know, that would have been a nightmare. Our shows would have been very different. I mean, I know we try our best at times to be positive, but that would have, you know, Justin Fields has really helped make though that positivity be able to be brought out. If if your if your first round pick doesn't play all year with an injury, given everything else that's happened over the last couple of years, no, that 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 wouldn't this would not be a happy a happy team to be supporting at the moment. We definitely wouldn't have the the, the feel goods as you say. We lost it last couple of weeks ago, but we still kind of are happy because we're seeing the quarterback kind of develop. If we didn't have that, don't know where we'd be. And then on the flip side, you've got someone like a Larry Borum. And you've got a conversation that people, Tevin Jenkins came in, but Larry Boron kind of came in under the radar a little bit on it. And if this goes to plan, we could have a situation in 12 months' time where we have Larry Boron on left or right tackle, you have Tevin Jenkins on the other side of things, and you're almost having a conversation with the interior side of our offensive line, potentially, with Justin Fields at quarterback. And then you've got two double running backs in, in Montgomery and Herbert that I think could be electric. And suddenly we have an offensive team that, that, looks somewhat in balance of, of, of what it should look like. Jack, I'll bring you on this because, again, I'm not mentioning our bald, follically challenged head coach. I'm going to actually go with Ryan Pace. And it's a conversation that we in the Irish Bear Show are regularly having, and Karen would be would be a, a promoter of keeping pace, and there'll be other members of our of our group that would be probably against, would be looking to move him on. What's your take 
just as someone who's coming into the show from, from the Bear Down Report, what's your take on where Ryan Pace sits based on the fact that potentially, and I again use the word potentially, in 12 months' time, we may have left right tackles, we may have two running backs, we may have a quarterback and a potential tight end um, already sitting there for, for five, six, seven, eight years' time. We, we debated this pretty heavily on our last, uh, our last show. And I, I believe I was in the minority. I mean, I, and I, because I, I wanted to make sure that I felt like I was on firm ground and that I could, you know, lend some credibility to, to my stance, which is basically that he's on the hot seat and that he should go. And, and I have a number of reasons for it. I mean, I think what oftentimes happens is folks will like point to all the, you know, um, ways in which he has hit, whether it's JF1 or whether it's trading for Mac or Borum or, you know, those instances that have worked out free agency now and again, he hits. But boy, I mean, let's think, I mean, from cutting Robbie Gold to drafting Kevin White to Adam Shaheen to Mike Glennon to, I mean, we, we could probably just start spinning it around and each one of us could like start naming one of the the misses right so to me if you've got like some really really good and some really really bad then you've got an average gm and we have a below average team uh so tim i think he's had his opportunity i mean more than had his opportunity he hits on jf1 and and that is absolutely great but i looked around the league at those gms who are ranked in the top and those guys have massive impact it permeates the entire franchise they're great at analytics they're great at the supplementary draft they're great at the cap <laughs> which is just terrible at uh, and they just like, like the ravens for instance had ozzy newsome and, and now their current gm and see the difference i mean in terms of the overall success of the you know the, the baltimore ravens in recent years a, a program you know or a franchise like the chicago bears i, I think they both need to go but as I'm sure you've talked about too, it's a symptom of a larger problem that is the McCaskies, that is the Bears. You know, so in some ways, is it a moot point? It might be, because if they're just going to go and get another Phil Emery or another person who seemingly is like ineffective at that role and continue to like not allow for that person to have autonomy on the football end, then I don't know what it's just rinse and repeat with these guys. Yeah, I, I, we've we've gone in, in nausea about this as well. I think what I keep on going back to is is this, is the press conference. I keep going back to it over and over again, and and it's just the absolute disregard they have for their fans, the disrespect they give their fans, the fact that they consider eight and eight to be acceptable, and mediocrity is, is accepted. They prefer nice guys to football players. Um, Charles Leno had contracts after year after year after year after year after year. After year isn't a good football player uh, but he was a nice guy uh, and and that's the problem I have with that I think the McCaskies and Ted Phillips uh, don't know enough about football um, which is ironic coming from the fact that Virginia probably knows everything about Chicago Bears you could possibly think of but again I just find it very very annoying as a Chicago Bears fan that we constantly find ourselves in Capel we constantly find ourselves giving money to the likes of Jimmy Graham who's probably got more catches or probably more days off than catches we've got other people like Nick Foles who gets a contract that's just bonkers and, and you keep going uh, Jack I, I probably would be on the same wavelength as you uh, Kieran again would be a little bit further the other side but that's where I am Noel right now going into the boy I don't think I've ever asked you this question where do you sit on Ryan Pace? I think I'd be more leaning 
with yourselves there as well. I mean, look, when it comes to Pace and that other guy who was head coach, we won't say the name, um, I would rather have him over the head coach if I had to have one. But for me, both of them should have gone, you know, during preseason or before the season. Uh, he's Jack's, Jack's hit it there. He's, he has hits and misses. But Jesus, some of those hit, some of those misses are big misses. Like some of the hits are great. I mean, you can get a Herbert in the fifth round or a Tonga, but really, they, they don't really know how these guys are. Like you can't tell me they knew Herbert would be that impactful when he came in because he's a fifth round player. You know, you, you know he's probably talented. You don't really know what you're getting. Now I know it's it's not a, a surefire thing when you pick a first round player either, but you should have a better idea if you're picking someone in the first round. But that's where he misses. A, a lot. I know early on with Kevin White and stuff. So for me, there's you know, as I say, cap cap situation is, is terrible, and you know, just the whole like the the mentality of the club, like it's so indisciplined. And I know that comes from the head coach, but that comes from above him as well. Ryan Pace is tolerating this. Last year we have two players punching the same player. This year we've another player punching someone. There's just you know, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like he has enough of a grip on it. And for the odd time he hits something good, you know, there's probably two things he hasn't hit good. And I think at this stage, he's had seven years. It's not like he hasn't been given his shot. So for me, like I'd I'd lean in towards you guys. It's 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 just done. Like he's he's had his chance. The head coach has had his chance, but you know, as you say, the McCaskies probably think very different, especially about their GM anyway. And you think about the amount of money that they've put into the defense as well. You know, and for them to perform like they've performed and, and the lack of rush that, you know, we've had, the lack of um, quarterback pressures and sacks. It's been a little bit better in, in recent weeks, but, um, but but I do think that's another thing, plus the inability to find special teams help. Um, you know, after letting Patterson go, they tried and failed, you know, several times on that. And and just really quickly, uh, the other thing I looked at last year and, and this year was just like, there are other organizations that have a similar structure to the Bears. The only difference is that the McCaskies just aren't good at it. I mean, there's plenty of quote unquote non-football people that are mm. running organizations. There's a, I can't remember which organization it was, but they've got a soccer pro who's like in charge of football ops and they, they seem to do just fine. It just seems to be a knack that the McCaskies have for not being great at it. And it goes back to accepting mediocrity. And it goes back to accepting eight and eight's not bad, or eight and nine, or nine and eight, whatever the hell it's going to be this year. And it's just acceptance, and, and it's something that's very annoying. Anyway, that was negative. We're going to go to positive, because we've always mentioned it a lot. Justin Fields is literally everything I want in a quarterback. He's everything I would like to see in a quarterback. He will make mistakes, by the way. And I saw a really good quote someone on Twitter put up that it's not going to be a straight line up. And Bears fans need to realise that that it's going to be ups and downs as we go through the season. And we can't get too down on the on the downs. We we can get really high on the ups. So let's get to that. But there's an interesting kind of debate I want to have now, which is Justin Fields' development versus team wins. So I've heard a lot of stuff where I start with this. I don't. I always want Chicago Bears to win. So I don't care. I'm not into tanking. I hate that crap. If the Bears are playing, I want the Bears to win. Doesn't matter, all it impacts their draft picks. I don't care. Bears play, Bears win. And yet and all, I want to see Justin Fields' development almost as much because I can see what's coming down the come down the road. And now I'll bring you in on this on, on Justin Fields' development. Nine games in, if you had gone back to the f- day he was drafted or the first game of the season, even, did you think we'd see where, where he is now? 
And if so, would it have been, did you expect it to be better or did you expect it to be worse or did you expect it to be where it is right now, development-wise? Uh, well, to be honest, in terms of development, I would have hoped he would have been in a lot sooner. He would have been in with the force a lot sooner and maybe his development might be a little bit along from where it is now. He would have had that extra time with the ones. He would have got a bit more game time initially. But I mean, as you say, it's, it's never going to be a straight line. And I'm happy at the fact that he does seem to be trending up and he's definitely not below where I thought he would have been, like too far anyway. I mean, he, he looks good out there. You always have to factor in the players he has around him and the issues the Lion had, especially early on. I know they seem to be getting it together a little bit themselves now as well. But I think in terms of development, possibly I thought he might be a little further along, but but not by much. But I still think he is definitely trending in the right way and he's definitely a player that, you know, I, th- I think we're right to be excited about him. I mean, as Jack said, he's probably the fourth, touch wood, he's probably the fourth franchise quarterback this this club has ever had. And it's it's... You know, it's positive anyway. And that's the big thing for me, Jack. Going into going into the rest of the season, it's about Justin Fields' development. So let's accept that the last two games, and every time I see the touchdown to Kieran set up the, the video montage at the start, every single time I see the touchdown against San Francisco, it just makes me so happy. Um, I've sold a story before. I got my wife, who has no interest in the NFL whatsoever, to watch that clip. And even she went, oh, well, that was pretty impressive. She doesn't clue what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in the scenario of, of Justin Fields and moving now towards the Ravens mm-hmm. and looking at Lamar Jackson, if he plays. So, Lamar Jackson, is that the kind of quarterback you think Justin Fields could potentially become? Or do you see Justin Fields as more of a, a different style of quarterback, a bit like the guy up in Seattle, for example? Where do you kind of fit Justin Fields into production line? You know, I think it's a bit early to tell. I will say that Justin Fields today, you know, in his press conference, basically said, there's listen, there's no comparing like this guy, Lamar Jackson, he he's in another category. And so for me to begin to even talk about myself, you know what I mean? Cause I get why people would want to make the comparisons, right. In terms of their athleticism in terms of, in terms of both being, you know, young African-American quarterbacks, but those things that I see, they're, they're dynamic. Absolutely. Right. But, but I don't think, I mean, when we talk about Lamar Jackson, we're, we're talking about, I mean, he's already in the hall of fame. Right. I mean, and, and it's, the things that he, you know, I basically like had to prove coming out as a Heisman Trophy winner from Louisville, who, you know, oh, he's he's a running back, and you watch the Ravens take the risk that they took on him, and now to see him develop, it's not like oh, you know, Josh Allen can, you know, sling the ball, but sometimes he'll run. Lamar can do it both. He's a he's a legitimate threat. 1A and 1B in both instances. It's kind of crazy. I was looking up a little bit. So like JF1 was a, a 4-4-40 guy. Uh, LJ was a, a 4-3-40 guy. JF1 is 6-3-227. Lamar Jackson is 6-2, uh, 212 pounds. Um, Fields is 22 years old. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, is 24 years old. But in four seasons, Lamar Jackson uh, is 37 and 13. Uh, his regular, he, you know, against new teams like the Bears are for them this week, he's uh, 17 and five. Uh, he's got a, just a bit over 100, you know, uh, passer rating. Uh, he's got, you know, 14 touchdowns and eight interceptions already, uh, 2,447 yards. I mean, and that's just a couple of the stats that I looked up, uh, you know, so far. He is otherworldly good. Now, could 
can Justin, does he have a ceiling like that? Honestly, I think he might. I, I, think, I think he might. I mean, I, what I am so impressed with him is, is his consistent accuracy. You think about the issues we had with Mitch all the time. <laughs> like, you know, this receiver would be like wide open and the ball would just be like, you know, we'd say broadside of the barn. You can't hit the broadside of the barn, man. And, and boy, he like, he can throw all the passes. And that's what was cool about last game. He can throw that touch pass, you know, like just right over the linebackers out into the flats. He can throw that. He's got the cannon. He can chuck that deep ball um, to Mooney or Christians. I mean, he can throw the, the crossing route and make sure to lead the guy appropriately. He, he's got it. So, I mean, who knows? Like, who knows how this is going to develop? Who knows who they're going to put around him? Who knows who the coach is going to be? There's lots of factors. But I think if you just looked at raw ceiling, he could be – I think he could be in that conversation with Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we I think we accept that Lamar Jackson's a good player. I think we, we can accept that he's a decent player. Now he's a sensational quarterback. He really, he really is. And the people that talk about him just as a running quarterback don't know football. Um, just a really interesting point, what you said about, about um, Justin Fields. For me, the most important play that I've seen Justin in the last last few weeks that I saw my own, that I think the development really is, was the pass of Jimmy Graham. I think it was in the fourth quarter uh, over, the, over the middle. Uh, that was 100% pickable and it was a real tough throw to make and he makes it look very easy and suddenly Bears get momentum and what I loved about the Steelers game was that it was his team it it felt like he took it over and conversation you saw with Komet as he walks off the field and conversations that he was having with people on the sideline and you just got the feeling it was it was something that was his and that's what makes it magic for me and there's young guys starting to take over the team uh, Herbert, Montgomery, Roquan defensively uh, and that they're the future of the Chicago Bears and someone said when Matt Nagy leaves the Chicago Bears are going to be a team that a lot of coaches are going to want to get their hands on because of Justin Fields and because of players like that. Um, no, I'll go back to you on the, on the kind of question of Justin Fields' development versus the Chicago Bears' win. I've said where I am. I want the Bears to win every single game, but I cannot understand the argument around Justin Fields' development being more important. What do you think development-wise, no, or sorry, results-wise, is it important that the Bears win or and Justin maybe not developing that much? Or would you prefer to see Justin Fields win and or sorry, Justin Fields play well and the Bears, whether they win or not, is is kind of secondary? It's a tough one. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, as you say, I always want the Bears to win. You know, I, I at times you can see, you know, for whatever reason, teams or fans maybe, oh, I hope they don't win today because this will happen or that. And I'm I can never get into that mindset. I understand, you know, from a certain point why certain people kind of think that, but for me. First and foremost, you always want the Bears to be winning. Now, when it comes to Justin Fields' development versus the Bears winning, I'd like both of them, but uh, <laughs> probably not going to get as much of that as we, we'd like. But um, look, as I say, you always want them to win. But at the end of the day, this is the franchise quarterback, and we need him to develop. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, Anthony. It's a tough one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because because his, his development is crucial to this team going forward. So, I mean... I suppose if his development goes up and up and up the way you want, maybe you're not as disappointed if maybe, I won't say a few results are sacrificed because but a few results don't go your way. If the long-term goal is he develops the way you want it and down the road, then you are winning all the time and he is a top player. I mean, I guess I would take that if that's, if that's how it balanced out. Um, 
but yeah, it's 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 you know you don't get many these many of these games every year, so it's it's not nice to watch them lose anytime. Yeah. Also, folks, anyone that's over over on Twitter or anywhere else that's kind of watching on the show, make sure you jump onto the YouTube channel and throw your questions in, get involved in the comments, ask the questions away. We're here for another good bit, so just ask away any questions that you have. Uh, Jack, I'll kind of come back to you and play a bit of devil's advocate here. So let's say the Bears start winning a couple of games. They beat the Ravens, which may not be expected. They go beat the Lions and then somehow go up to Lambeau and get it close and, and might sneak a win, right? And suddenly people are looking at another eight and nine and, and the Bears are talking about, about keeping my bald friend as head coach. Is that worth winning eight or nine games and seeing Justin develop? And then we have another year of what is accepted mediocrity? Or are we almost better to see Justin develop, us lose every game for the rest of the season and get Matt Nagy out the door? It's such a tough one, isn't it? I mean, if he continues to progress and they continue to win, then that makes a case that Matt Nagy can go to the McCaskies, as my good friend Patrick Sheldon on the Bear Down Report says, because they'll buy anything. <laughs> he, said the other, he said you could sell uh, McCaskey uh, a frozen ketchup popsicle when he had white gloves on or something to that effect right like it, no. it's just all unbelievable to me that it's not so clearly evident that regardless of the way that they finish out that Matt Nagy should be fired to, to me the fact that those two things are even in the conversation again goes back to our, our frustrations I think with the organization and again, I think if we just if I if we just said, "Hey, ready, go," you name a thing, and I name a thing, and no, like we name things, we could just keep naming things, right? Whether it's the lack of discipline, as you mentioned earlier, no, like we're there's a reason that like the rule is the second guy always gets caught. So the fact that Matt Nagy's not making sure that there's enough discipline on this team to at least teach that very basic lesson that I learned in junior high, high school, and college that I coached for 18 years to high school kids, the second guy always gets caught. I mean, that's a very basic thing. Think of the times we've come out of timeouts and had penalties or we've had a delay of games or we're just absolutely confused. There's a TV timeout and then we take another timeout, you know, or, or going back to what Nola's talking about early on in terms of, you know, Justin's development, it's slower than it's supposed to be. And why is that? That's because of Matt Nagy and that's because of his ego. It's because he could not get out of the way he doesn't know. Here's the biggest thing, right? As a coach, your number one job is to put um, players in a position to be successful and feel good about themselves. You fit a system to those players. You, you, you know, you look at the players, I guess I should say, and then you develop your system, not the other way around. And I feel like, you know, we all have agreed that we're, like, he's got this idea, Matt Nagy, of some sort of a Kansas City Chiefs offense. And he's just been trying to do it ever since, you know, uh, ever since he got here. It, and again, if you compare that to Lamar Jackson and the risk that the Ravens took in getting him, not really certain that he would turn out the way that he did. They sold out. They changed their offense. They rebooted it for him. They built it around him. And guess what? I mean, yeah, it's a big risk, but it paid off for them. We don't get that for some reason. We get a guy who's trying to make one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league into a, a drop back passer. Five-step drops with almost no protection. You know, empty backfields, five wide. I mean, just – Again, I'm going to stop because I know it does sound super negative. I'm actually a pretty positive guy. Like, I really love it when our Bears win. I love watching JF1. I love watching, and this is what we talk about all the time, I love watching efficient offensive play. And we've seen everyone else do it. 
And so we know what it looks like and we just want it for ourselves. And let's, we're not going to get it with Matt Nagy. We're not going to get it with Bill Lazor. It's not going to happen. They should be fired regardless of what the rest of the season looks like, regardless of what JF1 looks like, and regardless of what the record is, in my opinion. <laughs> that's a rant. I think that's officially a rant. 100%. But a good one. But a good one. But to be fair, like, I would be very surprised if Nagy is back next year. I have question marks on whether Pace will or won't, but I, I think barring an amazing second half of the season where they are just un- unbeatable, I mean, I, I think he has to be gone at this stage. How, how can he not? He's the worst. Oh, got to be careful because we've got some very <laughs> bad head coaches. Stop myself from saying the full sentence. He's a shockingly bad head coach. And for me, Jack, even you said they're agreement. It's this culture crap. It's this building. Like I'm, I had a joke on Twitter. Do you know videos when we win and Chicago Bears will put up videos of Matt Nagy in the in the in the dressing room and the video will just be of Matt Nagy talking to the team about how great it is. I'm convinced there's nobody in the room that he's talking to himself, <laughs> right? Because he's that <laughs> egotistical, right? Because you never hear another player. You never do, right? He is the literally the worst head coach for Chicago Bears right now because he is obsessed with Kansas City. He's obsessed with culture and obsessed with this. And he said at the start of the year that it'll take another three years before his development is really there. He didn't develop Justin Fields because he didn't want him to play this year because if he didn't play this year, he'd go to McCaskey and get say, another well, year. I'll get another year and I'll sort this shit out. I, I would fire him with a cannon out of Chicago right now. That's me no, I know I heard during the week I heard someone say, oh, well, you know, it's a positive that he, he fired himself twice. So, you know, he knows if it's not working, he, he'll he'll even take himself out of it. And I'm like, why does he have to fire himself twice? Why even give himself the play call and job after he fired himself the first time? That That's not a positive to me. That's... Did he fire himself? Did he fire himself? In the middle of the game, he's making calls. Justin Fields, our rookie quarterback, was asked when Matt Nagy had COVID, when Matt Nagy was at home, did you hear from Matt Nagy? To which he replied, yes, I got a text message. What did the text message say? I didn't read it. It was too long. That's what our rookie quarterback said about our head coach. Wow. How was he still in the job? I was. I started this program. I said I wasn't going to get ranty, but Jack, you've got me there, man. You've got me. Yeah, and, and another thing from Fields as well. He also What's mentioned that? that you know when when lasers call and plays, it's a lot easier for him because Bill's you know calm and he gets to play. And where he says Maggie is just crazy shouting through it. So, mm. so I mean, look, when your quarterback is coming out saying things like that, you know, give me a break. It's time. To Sorry, go. Jack. Sorry, Jack. You were saying. No, I was just going to say, if you take like the Patriots and then you take the Bears and you take the Jets, and I'm certainly glad we don't look like the Jets at this particular moment because we're definitely ahead of that curve when it comes to Justin Fields. But I mean, we all we all know that Bill Belichick is at the top of his game, and he's going to he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be one of the best coaches ever. But just look at the development, you know, the young quarterback in that city, and, and the way that they have included like they, they, they move the pocket, they be they make sure that they have extra protection. Uh, he, he makes sure that his, his choices are clear and easy, not to make a complex game even more complex than it already is. Uh, the, the play action, right, is, is such a crucial part of it, and they've won plenty of play action, and it was like begging to try to see if we could get the Bears to run, you know, so, some some play action and pass, and it's looked a little better in the, in the second half for sure. There was some rhythm. There was some flow and they moved the ball. But again, I think you had a great point earlier. And ultimately that was a great example of JF one saying, I'm taking this game on my shoulders. I'm going to take 
over this game. And I think that's attributes most of that success that we had in the second half at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move us a little bit on because what has been mentioned about, about Justin Fields and his development is the importance of his wide receivers and the importance of getting the, getting ourselves into a position where we've got real wide receiver options. I'm going to give you a stat because I actually was quite surprised when I read this around Alan Robinson. All right? So Alan Robinson literally has now played, what, nine games. He's got one touchdown and people don't think he's he's performing that well. So his average on... on and the season is 11.3 yards. That's, our, that's the average he's got this year. In 2019, when everyone said he was doing fantastic, it was 11.7. In 2020, it was 12.3. In 18, it was 13.7. So it's roughly around the same. Now I accept touchdowns go from one this year, six, seven, and four. So I accept that there's a difference in that. But A-Rob is kind of performing to A-Rob standards, which I'm very surprised about because I thought it looked a little bit less than what it was. And then Mooney is, is also kind of in that I think he should be doing better and is right on the edge of, of but he's definitely wide receiver two. My question comes on wide receiver three and wide receiver four. Uh, and literally what I mean by that is Godwin for me dropped. He got so lucky with that catch against the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, that's just disgraceful. I don't even know what Bird brings to the organization or to the offense. Maybe, maybe blocking. Don't know. But the question I have, and this is going to be interesting, Noel, you're going to love, you know where I'm going with this. Why don't we see more of like Daz? Why don't we see more of Adams? Why don't we see more of those players instead of giving all this kind of idea that we had towards getting these two speedsters in that we're not going to use? We bring one in after a free agency um, and then we bring one in from the draft and we don't see Adam to do with them. Do you think it's time that we start looking at our wide receiver core that isn't working in, in, in figures that we're seeing? And let two of the younger guys have a shot. No, absolutely. I mean, look, outside of Mooney and Robinson, who themselves are doing okay, but aren't having great seasons, I think they have about 36 and 30 catches each. I mean, after that, should it could be anyone. They could be interchangeable. It, it, they're not doing anything. I mean, why not take a young guy in and, and give him a shot and see what he can produce? Because it can't be any less. Um, I wonder if they just brought in these, as you say, they brought in these speedsters. Maybe they had an idea in mind that they were gonna, they were gonna work toward that and play that way during the season, and it hasn't panned out. And because they brought in these veterans, they, I don't know, they just want to stick with them. They don't, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, at this point, you're not getting anything from them. Um, so why wouldn't you bring in a young, exciting player and and just see what he, what he's got? I mean, the bulk of the, the passes are going to Mooney and Robinson anyway, so you're not losing anything if you, you get rid of board you get rid of Goodwin. Um so yeah I, I don't know and to be honest I, I mean to me it just looks like make the change you, you lose nothing from it like you're not gonna you can only go up from that to be honest they can't be any worse so who knows Jack you may not have known this but I'm literally the creator of the Daz Newsom fan club I'm sure you know Ryan, this. Ryan yes. will have told you right yes. to, say, to, say, to say I was devastated when he was caught Probably rightly. But when I was devastated that he was caught as an understatement. And, I, and I'm, I'm being a bit facetious on what I'm saying about getting getting him give a chance. But in saying all that, we were promised these speedsters, these open, expansive football, this, this kind of... I got, I'm not going to mention the, the city that we were told it was going to be like, but we haven't got that. And we haven't got that because our head coach and our offensive coordinator is not up to the standard that should be NFL standard. 
is that a good justification as to why Bird and Goodwin haven't worked? Because let's be honest, they haven't worked. Um, or am I being unfair on both of those players? I, you know, I, I guess I see those players as being key in a highly functioning offense. <laughs> yeah, I guess what I look at is if you go like if you go Mooney, A. Rob, and Komet, who are the Bears, you know. Uh, leading receivers right now. And let's just take Moon. He's got 37, uh, 36 receptions for, he's got 59 targets, 36 receptions, 450 uh, yards uh, and two touchdowns. Um, Hollywood Brown has 52 receptions, 82 targets. He has seven, 719 yards for a 13 point average. He has six touchdowns and he has a 49, uh, you know, as long as his 49. And then you go, Andrews is their next best. He's got 623 yards. He's, he's got four touchdowns. So I guess my point is this. Our core just isn't really very good. And so, and that's for a number of reasons, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the rookie quarterback, whether it's the scheme that we're running, it's probably a combination of all those things. But, but ultimately, like, I, I just, I don't think that we have um, the offensive structure nor the talent. I mean, would you like to have a Debo Samuel on your team? <laughs> you know, uh, think of some receivers in the league and think about the Bears' lack of explosive plays. Montgomery's pretty darn good. I like Montgomery. He's one of the hardest runners. I know we're talking running backs just for a comp, though. I think he's one of the hardest running backs that we've had maybe since Walter Payton. But again, I think the Bear goggles, beer goggles, make us like think that he's like way better than he is. But, but we don't have breakout players on offense. And A-Rob certainly isn't a breakout player on offense in any way, shape, or form. He's a, I think I'm a minority on this. I think people really like A-Rob. I don't dislike him. He's not D-Hop. He's not Hollywood Brown. You know, he's not Debo Samuels. And I realize those, those kinds of receivers are, are generational talents. But here's my question. Why can't the Bears ever have a generational talent? <laughs> you know, we had Walter Payton was a generational talent. I think maybe JF1 will be where have we had that in terms of receivers? We, we just haven't. And, and by the way, we have a receiver coach who needs to go out the door as soon as his buddy, Matt Nagy goes out the door, because clearly Matt Fury is not successfully grooming this group. Not these, who has he developed? You know, I mean, you could maybe give him Mooney, but I think, I think Mooney was just a talent. I think he's fast. He's tough. And he's, he's got really great hands. So, I mean, to answer your question, I, you think about other, again, really good passing teams. And I think those complimentary receivers, what do they get? Maybe four or five targets a game, maybe two or three catches, you know, their outlets, maybe they get ignored. So they get a touchdown, which is really, really great because they're double teaming the, the, the number one and they do play a really important role. I'm not, I'm not undermining that, but I just think, gosh, can I swear? I don't even know. Work away, my man, work away. Damn it. We just need like a, a core of wide receivers that is is legit blue chip guys who can be a part of making explosive plays, deep balls blowing the, the top off the coverage, uh, actually running a receiver screen and having the guy accelerate for a touchdown instead of our really crappy receiver screens. So I just I think there just needs to be a more talented group, honestly. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I love your comment about. With the bear goggles, I think that's a that's a really really good point, and I would be one of the worst in the world for doing that. Daz Newsom, um, but I'd also be one of the worst looking at it from. I just desperately wanted to succeed, and to answer your question as well, we at Chicago we can't have too many good things. 
we're not allowed to have too many good things as Chicago Bears fans. It's just not in the DNA. Justin Fields is our one good thing, and we just should enjoy that moment. Uh, in all seriousness, I think what annoys me a lot about A-Rob was this talk around him as being that talent that you spoke about. And I get his point. He, he never had quarterbacks to throw to, and that was the argument that was always there. That he never had good quarterbacks. He does now. So say what you want about Justin Fields. He can throw a ball. Right, so when people disagree on, and let's say he holds it a bit long or whatever, he can tr- he control football. So A-Rob's got this season to prove what he is. And that goes back to even more annoying while in training camp, he didn't get a chance to catch balls from Justin Fields. It, it all comes into this whole cacophony of weirdness that is the Chicago Bears right now. But I'm really interested to see what happens on our offense going forward and what it is. Look, we should have scored 30 points last week. We probably could have scored 30 points against against um, the foreigners the week before. But before that, we were averaging something like 13 or 14. And Corey, who's on both the Bears and the, and the Bear Down Report, she would regularly say to us that 14 points doesn't win a game. And 14 points was the average we are going to go. So when she was predicting scoreline, she would always put 14 somewhere in the, in the conversation. And, Noel, I'll bring you in on this. As we're getting better, I'm starting to see more progression from the, from the offensive line or the offense as a whole. Is it now really responsible on our wide receivers, not just A-Rob and Mooney, but all of them, to start getting more involved, getting more open? Because someone said in the, in the chat, and they're right, their lack of separation is absolutely disgraceful. Uh, it makes it so difficult to, to do that. And are we then masking that problem by having a quarterback who can run 45 yards and 100 yards the week before that? Are we masking the problem of our wide receivers by him doing that? Well, no, it does, obviously, because a, a player like Fields who has that mobility can, as you say, paper over a few cracks by, you know, scrambling here or there. But no, you're, you're right. The receivers have to step up. It's, it's it's not good enough. As Jack says, you know, they they play an important function there. You know, you, you might have your one and your two and maybe Robinson, whoever be double teamed. And, you know, Mooney might have a bit of, bit of attention from the defense. And that's where they should be able to maybe sneak by, you know, get get a play that you don't see coming. But, I mean, they just don't seem to be contributing too much at all. And as, as it was pointed out, the separation for all of them is is shocking. I mean, how long that, you know, wide receiver coach gets to be there because, as has been mentioned as well, he, he has gotten nothing from that group, really. I mean, I was expecting a lot more from Robinson this year. I agree that he's definitely, when you talk about number ones, he is definitely not an elite top echelon number one but he is still a very good consistent player who you know would make a lot of contested catches and someone you could depend on so i think the production from him this year has been extremely disappointing i would expect a lot more from him and i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the the style of play i don't know if they're not giving him the ball as much as they want i don't know if it's on him but again this is where the wide receiver coach needs to sort that out and needs to find out and pinpoint whatever this issue is and fix it. But in terms yeah, of you say that, sorry, man, that just goes to cult that just goes to culture. And it's 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 yeah. the thing I find hilarious about the Chicago Bears because we and it what I mean by accepting mediocrity, I'll go further. Our coaching staff are losers and they accept losing and it's okay to lose. Right? As long as you're a nice guy and you do your best and you shake hands with everyone after the game, they're a bunch of losers. Um, and they've created in certain players a loser mentality. And I actually believe, and Karen's going to cut this because I can hear it in my head, Alan Robinson is a loser. The reason Alan Robinson is a loser is because the Chicago Bears lose and he is wide receiver one. That's just my opinion. 
Sorry, no. No, 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 no worries. I mean, I definitely can get on board with the coaches at the moment because, look, at the end of the day, everything they do, you know, transla- translates out on the field. And what we see on the field just isn't impressive from from multiple different perspectives. Like, it's just not good enough. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be done with this wide receiving core. I mean, I, I knew looking at the start of the season, it wasn't a great one, but I, I thought it was better than it, it's producing. You know, definitely our one and two, I think, are really good players. And they should have more catches than 36 and 30. You know, they should have more touchdowns between them. That's just not good enough. And if they are somehow being taken out of it by the defense, well, then that's what your three and four are for. These guys should be stepping up and they should be taking advantage of, the, you know, the space here or or whatever coverage they're up against. But it's just, it's, it's I don't know, it's... It, I would be positive about this team until you start talking about yeah. different positions. <laughs> right, maybe there's more problems than I really thought, but it's, it's just not good enough. Now, look, they have been getting better over the last few weeks. Maybe the, the O-line is gelling a bit more. Justin's getting a bit more confident, not only taking off and running, but in passing now. So, look, maybe. Maybe over the last the second half of the season, we'll see the, the wide receivers then benefit from that because we have a running game to take the pressure off. You know, the, the, there are individual pieces there, and they do seem to be. Like, I don't want to go over the top with the bear goggles, as we mentioned, like, but it has been trending upwards, not in a spectacular fashion, but in a better fashion than it had been. So I think it's an important second half of the season now because these wide receivers are the one kind of group on offense that don't really seem to be taking any sort of step forward. You know, the running game is good. Justin Fields is getting better. The O-line has looked slightly better. It's time for the receivers now to step up and tight ends as well. I'll, I'll group them in with the receivers. I mean, I know our tight ends, Graham, has just been bar last week. He, he hasn't even had a look in. Uh, Komet has done well in blocking, which is nice to see, but it would be nice to see him get a few more catches. Now, he, he has actually been improving a little bit as well over the last few weeks. So, no, it's, it's time for those receivers now to step up or or just go next year. I mean, Mooney will be here, but from the rest of them, they probably none of them will probably be here next year. That's an interesting point you make about Komet. I do think, you know, when we talked to New England, New England Patriots tight end uh, Matt Lacoste uh, a few months ago, he made a great point about how difficult it is for tight ends to learn basically two positions, to be an offensive lineman and then to be a, a pass-catching tight end. You know, And I think folks probably had this idea that Komet was going to be that how – how can I say this? That guy over in KC. That, <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. Okay, good. So, but he's not, you know, but he truly has improved. We've seen a really nice, I think, upward swing with him. You know, just going back, I guess, to like the effectiveness of the receivers. I mean, it, it's really odd, I think, in some ways, because if you if you look at Mooney's targets of 59 and A-Rob's of 50, and you look at, again, Hollywood Brown has 82 targets and Andrews has 69, th- that's weird to me. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I talk a little bit about how I, I did play in coach, not at this level. But as an offensive coach, if I had like a, a top tier athlete, I made sure to game plan him into the game, whether he was a slot or he was a wideout or he was a quarterback or whoever my best athlete was, whoever could make plays was going to be sure to touch the ball as much as humanly possible in a game that, I mean, that's about as common sense as it gets as an offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I remember I coached a game where a kid like 
I don't even know. He had like 200 yards and two or three touchdowns. And I went up to the booth afterwards and everybody's patting me on the back, you know, Hey, great job coach. And there's this old guy from town, you know, and he says, he looks at me and he goes, it doesn't take a genius to hand the ball off to number 26. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. But I guess my point is this is like, why aren't the bears scheming to try to get our playmakers ball more? Like plain and simple, if if A. Rob is that type of athlete, if he is a wide receiver one who can, and he has been doing better at, at trying to get yards after the catch, because I don't know about you, but it's, it looked like his legs just went dead every time he caught the ball in previous years. So he's been doing better with that. But but again, if he's a playmaker, there would be a concerted effort to get the ball into his hands, whether it's him or Mooney or I don't know who. That's weird to me. I don't know if that scheme. I don't again O line pass blocking new quarterback, but that's a that's huge disparity, right? For, for Hollywood Brown to have 82 targets and our number one to have 50. I don't, I don't know. But, but it's not surprising in a, in a weird way. You said it's that. And I was like, yeah, that's probably around right. It's almost double because it's, it, it, it's, there's so much confusion around this offense. There's so much confusion around this team. And it comes from who's calling the plays. man. And, and it, it just, I just find it a, shockingly well, actually it's the perfect example of Matt Nagy in in Chicago the wide receiver core and, and that is the perfect example because that's what he was meant to change and guru and stuff like that but but anyway we move on to, to the team we're playing against because literally the Ravens are are someone that I really enjoy watching and they really do I think they're they're a really good team to watch and it's not just because of Lamar and they've got quite a lot of other ones um, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine actually who I told about they were going to talk about the Ravens danger men and he got a bit worried as to what exactly I meant by danger men but what I'm talking about with a danger men is, is the guys that could take the game away from us and instinctively everyone says Lamar and I get that but they've other they've other kind of people as well and, and, and Jack you, you mentioned Andrews as someone that can pretty much kill a game pretty quick as well but the one thing I'll say Noel is that their defence is the kind of defence that you'd like JF want to have a shot at because they're not in the top 10 defence. They're probably not even in the top 20 defence, if I'm being completely honest. And it's, it's what's caught them last week, or the last game against Miami. They just seemed a little bit vulnerable there. So looking at it from the Bears' perspective, before we get into the, the danger men for, for the Ravens, where do you think the Bears are going to win the game if they are going to win at all? Um, yeah, and no, as you say, I mean, it's it's not a, it's definitely not a Ravens defense of old anyway. Uh, back in the days when the Ravens defense were were always up and about the top. Um, where are they going to win it? I mean, for me, I I want to see Justin Fields. You know, I mean, look, a run game has been good this year, but I, I want to see I want to see Justin Fields maybe take that next step. And I think if we can get him going, if we can have a few new wrinkles to his game and actually utilize his strengths. I mean, I think he could have a big game this weekend against the Ravens. You know, as you say, they're they're not. They've won a few games, but even like say when he, against the Vikings, they may have won the game, but they gave up I think thirty one points. You know, and if if Cousins can have a day like that against them, you know, I, I yeah, Fields. I'd, I'd like to see Fields step up. I'd like to see them really give him a shot and open him up that little bit more. Continue that trend of upward of the upward trajectory that hopefully he will keep going. Um. And I think they could. Win. I think Justin Fields could take it on his back again, maybe, and and get us a win. You know, hopefully. 
Jack, we spoke at the very start about I could compare Lamar Jackson with Justin Fields. And I, I, I facetiously said to you that just, uh, Lamar Jackson's a good player. He's a great player. And he, he wins games for Baltimore pretty much on his own. So let's park Lamar Jackson for a second and say we accept that that guy could win the game on his Todd. What about the rest of the, the, the teams that people are going to be watching this who may only just watch Bears matches and don't really watch the rest of the league? What would you say if, if you were in the in the Bears and if Sean going to Sean Desai mindset and say what is it that I have to be wary of and what kind of plays will will the Ravens do or what kind of players will the Ravens have that will cause us quite a lot of quite a lot of danger well I, th- I think they do have that that dynamic um you know player in the Ravens offense for sure I think Mark Andrews is a fantastic tight end he's proven that you know I think over and over again he finds ways to get open he has great hands. He's a beast after he catches the ball. So, I mean, to me, that would be a, a danger man for sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I mentioned it already. I, I think if Hollywood Brown beats us, I, I, I won't be surprised. Our secondary, you know, is not a, a strength of ours, uh, to put it mildly. And, um, and I think that the, the, he has a, a real knack for getting open. It's it's kind of wild what they've done with, you know, with running backs because they're they're – you know, Belkow got hurt and they, they just kind of kept going, you know, like, hey, hey, are you still playing running back? Okay, all right, cool. Like, are you in decent shape? Sweet. Come on, Latavius Murray, we got you, you know. And, um, and so, you know why that is, right? That's because the, the person who's going to get the most rush attempts is the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get, you know, and not just like uh, on the edges, but straight up the middle, you know. And so, I know you were looking for, you know, other players and I, I will try to go back to that, but I mean, that's the bottom. It's predicated on him ultimately. Right. And, and I think that what the Miami dolphins did is going to be a little bit of an aberration to, to like, what are they have 36 safety blitzes? I mean, it was a brilliant scheme. I don't see the bears doing that necessarily. Uh, and so my fear would be that they would like drop in cover. Right. And, and maybe <laughs> spy. And, and if that happens, we just, we don't have, the horses to run with those guys with Andrews uh, is, is Bateman going to play? Cause I mean, Bateman has been highly effective on third down. Yeah. There's a 50, 50 call in him. I saw he was okay. active, but it's, it's a, he, I think he, I think he participated today. So that's a sign he's probably going to play. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think, I think any team that plays the Bears will look at our secondary and go, if we get, Half a second, even three seconds, we can get the ball out. But as well, um, if you look I, I at it, I mean, if you look at our run defense this year, it's recently it's been terrible, and then that'll go back to their quarterback if he runs it. And I mean, we have been shocking against the run the last few weeks. So that that it's just it. He's not a very good matchup for us. Or he's not a very good matchup for most defenses, but certainly not for us at the moment. Only thing I'll say in that is we could keep them off. The, we could keep him off the field. I don't rate this defense at all. And I think the way we're going trajectory-wise and the way Justin Fields is taking over, and it's the young guys, the, the Montgomery's, the Herberts, the the um commits, the the people like that, the Moonies, they're they're starting to gel. Um and I think personally, I think this is a game that the Ravens won't like playing against us either. Um because we, they won't really know how to do it. Teams are going to find it difficult to defend Justin Fields anyway, but I think they'll find it a little bit more difficult than, than other teams. The other thing I'd say on, on our schedule so far is we've played some really good teams. We really have. 
and really good defenses and some really, really positive teams. I accept the Lions is in that, so I wouldn't include them. But if you take them away, most of the defenses we played are quite good. So I think this is one of the best shots that we have to see exactly where our offense actually is in reality. That we're not playing against Hall of Fame guys on the, on the defensive line or Hall of Fame guys in the backfield. So I think this is a real, really good shot for, for us to see exactly where Justin Fields sits. And I'd be interested to see how we how we get on with that. For me, the dangers around around um, the Ravens and Jack, you put it perfectly. And I tried to bypass it, but it starts with their quarterback. It finishes with their quarterback, and it's middling with their quarterback. You take him out of that team, and it's actually a poor team, in my opinion. Um, they have some really and, and Brown is an example. Andrews is a very good player, but you put you put one of our quarterbacks that aren't on the field into that team in Foles or Dalton and we would expect to win that game quite easily. Very so, team, yeah. It, yeah, and it's, 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 it's an interesting one. And look, that's why Lamar Jackson, as Jack rightly said earlier on, is a Hall of Fame QB. But we're going to move on to the last kind of section of what it is um, before before we finish up. And, and that's looking at what we're looking from score prediction and, and ball predictions. So, Jack, what we do in this one is we, we look at... Uh, score prediction is an obvious one, but the ball prediction is the prediction we would see that no one really looks at. So, something along the lines of... Carlos Santos misses a kick or we return for a touchdown or we or we do something that's a little bit off the wall. So I'll let you think about that for a minute because, Noel, you have no excuses. You've been on this show way too much to understand exactly what I'm going to be coming to you. So I'm going to start with you, Noel, from a from a score score prediction first and then give me a ball prediction as well. This isn't fair. Kieran always lets me go last. But, uh, sure. ah. Here we go. Kieran, <laughs> come back. Um, <laughs> score prediction I, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to have this at a high one because the Ravens have been putting up massive points bar maybe last week all season so our defence hasn't been stopping too many and hopefully our offence has started to trend the right way so I'm going to go a similar score to last week and I'm going to give it to the Bears because fuck it we're a Bears show so I'll go 29-27 to the Bears 29-27 Yo, what's your what's your what's your bold prediction? I'm gonna say Kamek gets two touchdowns. You robin bastard. That's exactly what I was going to say. I can see your notes from here, Ant. I heard it. I'm telling you, that's it. That's me done conversation with you. I should I'll put you last next time as well. <laughs> Jack, give me a score prediction. <laughs> Jack, give me a score prediction first and then give me uh give me your ball prediction, my man. I, I mean I do have some like I think I mostly have bad news for us. I mean, like the first time that Lamar faces somebody. Uh, he's twenty-five and two when facing a team for the first time. Um, <laughs> so that—that's a little bit frightening to me. Just like along those lines, you know, just to. And he's—he's, he's, you know, he can travel. You know what I mean? So like in that twenty-five and two, clearly he's—he's he's traveled quite a bit. I don't know. I mean, the, the Bears have had twelve days off, and and Baltimore's had nine. I'd take Harbaugh. In nine days before I would take your favorite coach in, in 12 days. Um, yeah, so I've got, uh, and I'm eight and two just for, uh, you know, some reference, uh, not as good as Brendan Chagrew. And, uh, you know, I believe uh, one of our other writers is, uh, is nine and one. So I, I've got them at, uh, I've got Ravens 28, Bears 12. Now I realize it's a little bit of an odd, odd score. I've got a touchdown a safety and a field goal for the bears. It's going to be a lead pipe lock. You're going to, so it's 28, 12 uh, to the Ravens favor. And what will be your ball? Is the safety your ball? prediction? please say it's your safety is the ball. That, that's you know, this is safety. what I struggled with. And I thought that, and I'm like, well, if they, they don't score many points, then 
who do you go with? So we, the, the idea is to go bold for real, right? Like this is a long shot perhaps, and we don't think it's going to happen, but it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so, it. so since the, the, the bears are so bad off the buy and especially Matt Nagy in the last few years, not only have they lost the first game off the buy, but they've won, lost the first two games off the buy. So we're already in a four game losing streak. If we lose to Baltimore and then lose again the next week, we're going to see our first head coach fired during the season for the Chicago Bears in our lifetime. See, That's my bold somebody, prediction. See, if somebody said that to me, that we'd lose the next two, but Baldy McBald man would be fired. Oh, that's... I mean, I, that's, it's a long shot. A, it's a long shot. It's a tingly, tingly fingers time. It's, it's a, it's a, that's why it's bold, it's right? A, I mean, I don't it's, know an it's an interesting one. <laughs> for me... I got ridiculed, as I said earlier on the show, for picnicking the Steelers Bears 32-30. Ridiculed by everybody. So part of me wants to say that this game will be 6-3, just, just, just for the reaction of what I would get for doing that. I don't. Uh, Jack, I actually disagree with you. I, I think that the Bears have a, an offense that will put Ravens in trouble. I don't rate the Ravens' defense at all. And in fact, I think our secondary is so bad, we might see the ball a lot. So it mightn't take much for the Ravens to score. And we then will pound down the field, and I think we'll 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 do okay. I, I think the two two pound attack of, of Herbert and Montgomery might actually might actually get something this this game. I think there could be some some big plays from from both of them. Um, I'm actually going to go because I always go for a Bears win. I'm going to go for a Bears win. I actually think it's going to be a really exciting game. I think it's going to be 32 30. I think I'll go Carlos to kick it with half a second left on the on the clock. Um, my my own ball prediction. On, on, on it all God I, I keep on thinking about it. If, if we lose two games Maggie gets fired it's still in my back of my head um, now my, my ball prediction on what it will be is I think Bird catches the ball uh, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one but I think he, he makes a catch um, and it might only be for two yards but he'll make a catch so that's my ball prediction on, on where I think, I think it'll be um, we've got a couple of a couple of predictions in Stephen's come up with Ravens 31-16 kind of going more down the jack route I suppose um, we've got Bruja one of our one of our big regulars Grant returns into the red zone no flags in the return actually that's the last subject we're going to talk to so Bruja thank you for bringing this up I didn't mention to you guys about what it is but there's been a lot of comments about refereeing decisions that the Bears have got, a lot of comments about referees around the NFL. And it's got me thinking about previous games when I watched the Bears way, way back in the 80s and 90s. And anyone that's young that's watched has never watched 80s football or 90s football, go watch. It's actually a different sport. And you didn't think flags were called now. I'm telling you, there was no such thing as a flag back in the 80s and 90s. But I'd like, and that's the two years there. Take the bear goggles off for a second and genuinely look at the NFL officiating and the pressure that these guys are under because there's cameras everywhere and everything's been seen really, really easily and followed up. Forget about the Steelers game for a second, but overall, the whole season, are you one of those kind of people that sees officiating as something that evens itself out? So you get one decision one week, you won't get it the next, et cetera, et cetera. Or do you think that, refer that refereeing decisions, because they're the groups of referees, wouldn't say hold grudges because that's a bit unfair, but have historical biases against certain teams or historical support of other teams. And what I what I mean by that is anyone that watched Green Bay's game last week and saw the fumble that Rogers was given back to kind of has to question that decision call and it's a regularity with, with Green Bay. So Jack, I'll, I'll come to you first. What is your take on NFL refereeing? And obviously 
don't worry, we're not sending this to the NFA, NFL officiating. I promise you, I won't, I won't do that to you. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um, so uh, <laughs> a couple of things. First of all, as a coach, I never believe that the officials determined the game. I believe that it was our plays and players. So that's one. Two, I don't know about you guys, and I, I guess I'll say I'm sorry. I'm not sorry if I offend somebody. But I, I loathe watching football games with people who do nothing but bitch about the referees the entire game. I just, I just think like, I mean, you've never done it. It's really difficult. You really don't know, like probably most of the rules. I don't know. I just find it's people oftentimes that, that don't know football very well, that just spend their entire game just <coughs> at officials. And I'm just like, all right, like, is this, this isn't why I'm watching. I don't know. So having said that, I also, th I also think it sounds super crybaby if you're just bitching about a loss because you're like blaming it on the officials. Having said all of that, egregious lately. I think they've got a real problem on their hands. I think they make the game complicated in so many ways, whether it be uh, their definition of what a, um, you know, what a catch is, what you can and cannot uh, look at on replay. Um, I think if you take in, in sequence, you know, the Packers games and the mistakes that were made there and then to see it only worsen in the Pittsburgh game, I don't know about you guys, but it looks to me like committee fully out hip checks, uh, you know, cashes. It, it looked to me, to your point earlier, and he was pissed about something. He had some type of grudge that looked like the old man, like get off my lawn young man, you know, like you ta your tattoos and your posturing, like just looked like a grumpy old man. He didn't throw that flag until they bumped and then he threw it and he held it. And it just looked snarky, stupid. Like really, I, it just really surprised me because it looked like it was personal. And I'm, I just thought, well, that's not like, that, that's not how this is done. <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to be done. And then, I mean, then the call on the offensive line, I mean, it took, it took points off the board. I mean, <laughs> this is one game where as somebody who almost never complains about the officials, I would say we probably would have won had they um, officiated it better. So, but they, they need to make some, they need to take some close looks at it here. And I don't know what the answers are. I would never want their job. I tried to like officiate like fifth grade basketball one time. I was terrible awful you know it's just you have to think about so much simultaneously when play is happening and it really is i think a, a much more difficult thing than folks who have never done it um you know would think that it would be on first blush yeah i remember refereeing an under 11 soccer game and i thought i right. knew what i was talking about and i remember it was like a minute to go and i actually felt sorry for the other team and I said, I'd let them have one last attack and they scored and your man was miles offside and I still gave it. And I then had to get on the bus home with all these 11 year old kids who basically was calling me everything under the sun. So yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with referee bashing. I really don't. However, in saying that, I think there's been some calls that are just beyond horrendous. Jack, your point is very, very valid though. I think the NFL have made the game complicated and they've made what is a simple game, in my opinion, very complicated with some decisions. Um, if if Marsh doesn't bump off him, does he throw the flag? Probably not. But if he threw the flag and he didn't bump off him, while I don't think it's a flag, I can sort of understand what he was looking at, as in the sense that he does walk towards the sideline, but doesn't do anything. But the initial walk, 
However, what annoys me about that game is the lack of uh, refereeing is a lack of consistency. So you had a defensive lineman in what who blows a kiss aimed at the Chicago Bears sideline in front of the referee. Nothing is said. Again, I'm not bashing the referees per se. I'm just saying all I would be looking for in referees is consistency. So if you're going to call one flag, you're going to call the other. And for me, that's what I've missed in the NFL this year more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I blame personally the NFL for making the game more complicated for them to see it. Uh, no, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with what you say there. The, the root problem is they've taken a game and they've made it so complicated and the rules change every offseason and, you know, you can tackle here, you low, but you can't here and then it changes. And No, I agree. Look, it's, it's a tough job. And like you guys, I, I very rarely come out saying, oh, the ref cost us the game because at the end of the day, you go out and you win. There's going to be mistakes. I mean, you talk to any fan from an NFL team and they'll tell you the refs hate them. doesn't matter what team it is. We, we'll all say, oh, they, they, they're against us. Even Sorry, man. fans would say it. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe that. I'd someone turned out to me on Twitter say, well, now you know what it's like to be a Green Bay fan. I was like, yeah, are yeah. you for real? Uh, but no. it doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter what team it is. Everyone thinks the referees are against them because we always remember the decisions that went against us and for us. But in saying all that, I mean, I think the closest I have ever come to saying a referee has cost us a game is Mr. Tony Carenti because... I mean, it wasn't one bad call. It wasn't two bad calls. It was there was three or four. Like, I mean, that that Jalen Johnson pass interference call. I think that's horrific. It doesn't get talked about much because there were so many other bad ones that went against us. I mean, he clearly gets his head around. I mean, I don't know what else he's supposed to do. Like, I mean, the 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 James Daniels one. I'm not as upset about the Marsh one in terms of the taunting because, as you say, Anthony, he gives the referee a decision to make by walking toward the sideline. The referee can't see in front of him, so he doesn't know if he's gesturing. I mean, he still shouldn't be presuming he did, but don't give them the chance. But the James Daniel low tackle in the in the tackle box, the blah blah, that's like that. That acts. I actually get angry thinking about that. That was a horrific call. But they are spread out through the season this year. Now I didn't see last week's games because I, I was only I was away for a few days, but I believe there were a few decisions last week as well that that people aren't happy with. And it's just a, a week in, week out thing now. It, it, it really is. And um, they do have problems. The NFL do make it difficult for the refs. But I mean, they have to be better. I, I understand, you know, they're not professionals. And maybe, I mean, I'm sure they earn decent money for doing what they're doing. But I mean, they're doing the job. So they, they have to be better at it. I mean, and then the whole NFL response to it. I mean, last week they circled the wagons and, you know, oh no, Corrente done nothing wrong. He didn't hip check him. He didn't that. And then you find out privately, yeah, you know, we kind of screwed you on three different calls. I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I suppose as the NFL as an organization, you want them to defend their guys, as you would expect Matt Nagy to defend his guys and maybe deal with it, you know, internally. I know they're graded for each game and stuff. But no, at the end of the day, it's what I'd say at the end of the day is don't give them the chance to throw the flag. If you get a great tackle or a touchdown or whatever, I know it's like I've never been in front of 90,000 people and, and done that, but just just walk away. I mean, I think we've had we've been caught a few times. Edwards this season has has got done on a few, as you said earlier, Jack, the second guy always gets it. You know, just a bit more concentration, a bit more control, and just don't give them the chance to throw that flag. But look, that's... That's all I can say. And if I if I kept going on, I wouldn't stop. <laughs> it's it's some a few people said on, on the on the 
on the chat, which I thought was really interesting, is the NFL has so much money that's pumping into their into all the clubs, but they don't seem to give it to the referees. And it's something that I that I wholeheartedly agree with. I think the referees need to have a, a proper be <laughs> professional. Why why shouldn't they be? It makes no sense to me that because they're impacting games now and they're costing people their jobs and they're costing people long-term livelihoods. And, that, and as someone who works in sport, it's not just the people on the field. So it's the people off the field as well. It's people who work in the in the concession stalls. It's people who work in the ticket office. It's, it's people who work offside. And it's it's very important that teams win. And, and then when they don't win, it impacts on their money and it probably ends up in their jobs. And I'm not blaming referees for that. I'm just saying that referees need to be given the tools to be able to go and do it. And also, for the love of God, get rid of the taunting uh, call. Just get rid of us. It's it's pointless. I mean, I get it. Oh, kids, kids watching that. I get. Well, then have a conversation with the with the TV programs to try and make sure they don't show it over and over again. So, like, uh, it's consistency. Like, so we get a taunting call, fifteen yards, it changes the game. But the Ravens do an interception, and their whole defense runs to the end zone. The whole defense and celebrates in front of the end zone. I don't have a problem with them doing that. I have a problem with it when it's not consistent in that culture. I don't, understand, like, I don't understand why there's points of emphasis. If there's rules in the book, I mean, I understand maybe going back and reviewing them and saying, hey, here's an area where like we should have been, you know, more aware of and calling more penalties. So let's let's get back up to par on that. But but to have, it seems like every time they make a point of emphasis, like what a catch is, for instance, like that was just an excruciating year of watching replays, deciding what was a catch and what wasn't. I mean, think about how the game somebody one of your well, like one of our listeners and, and watchers just said, like, I hate instant replay. It completely blows the game. The moments that I'm sitting there watching, trying to just like them to decide whether something is a catch or not, I'm thinking to myself, I could be watching football right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to watch this. This is annoying. You know, it's distracting from the game, you know, and the flow. And it just takes like the enjoyment away from it, you know, for me. Um, yeah. if, they're, if they're impacting the game, you know, like wins or losses. Or if they seem to be like a large part of the game, you know what I mean? Because they're they're throwing the flag. Then to me, that's an ineffective method. They should be just like there, but barely seen. You know, quietly doing their job, calling the penalties when they need to be called. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it certainly is. Uh, and as far as the taunting, I, I think that the problem was that they. I think Brendan Chagru was really good. It was like if you're going to call me the N word, right? Or you're going to like make some sort of a homophobic slur, you know, these, yeah. and these are his words. There's, I think it was really smart on his part. Okay. Then, then absolutely. Right. Or if you're going to stand over somebody after you yeah. like, speak out that's of them, the one, that's the one know, that I, I think they that. wanted out. Yeah. Like but, but you know, like, again, when you start getting like having these officials, like making these decisions, it's, I don't know. It's so gray. I, Aaron Rodgers taunting our crowd. That that's not, but like you made a couple of other points, like yeah, yeah, it's maddening. Like I don't care. Like you know what I mean. Like I, I I don't want it to be a part of our conversation or the games themselves. And I think that's the point. Like I mean, <clears throat> the best referees in any sport are the ones you don't see. So you never see them. They're the best referees. You don't hear about them. They're the best referees. And there's a there was a big rugby game at the weekend, Jack. You may not know about, but Ireland beat New Zealand in rugby, which is an nice. immense thing for for anyone cool. connected to Irish rugby. In, in Ireland, it was a big game. Fifty one thousand people. It was quite entertaining to watch. But the most annoying thing about that game is the referee, whenever there was a, a score, had to go and look at the look at the TV screen just for a few seconds. And the fans got really pissed off. So even though Ireland scored, you could hear the crowd going, Jesus Christ, just make a decision. If it's a try, great. If it's not, it's not. 
move on. But he was having, before acting would happen, oh, he'd be talking to a guy in the studio and absolutely pointless. I I must be honest, Marquis Goodwin catch for me isn't a catch. So I've got to be fair. It's given and officially it's gone down as given, but it's not a catch. He did For me, he didn't have control of the ball going on the sideline. That should have gone back. That was on him, not anyone else. But for me, it's not about that. It's about it took them around four minutes to decide it was a catch. And you're like, okay, whatever. Move, move on. Um, look, it's been absolutely fantastic, this conversation. It really, really has. Jack, thank you so much for coming on. We genuinely have, have you get on. This won't be the last time we'll have you on as long as Ryan and the, the lads over in Bairdown Report allow, allow you to come jump across the ship and have a chat to us. But can you uh, give us a shout as to where, where we can hear of you guys? And, and again, I said at the start of the show, and I'll say it again, congratulations again on, on the fabulous Bairdown Report. And I know I know Ryan is a big part of that as well and, and all the guys you have and, and Corey who, who doubles, doubles up with us and you guys as well. So, Really, really do appreciate your your show. But give us a give us an outline of when you're on next, or what you're talking about, or, or what you actually get get up to. Uh, and thank and thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you both. It's so fun to talk. We always say like if we can find people that are knowledgeable, uh, just like kind of cool people, you know, to talk about Bears football, not just have it be like you know kind of like this meathead chotch fest, but actually like <laughs> some analysis. That's that's great, and that's what you do. And I've enjoyed listening to you, to, and really enjoyed being on with you too. So. So thanks much to, to, to you and your show. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're BearDownReport.com, and uh, Mike Page is our, our founding father. It, you know, if you – a lot of times we'll, we'll talk a lot about the BearDown Report podcast, but take a look at the BearDownReport.com. There's lots of content there. We've got film breakdown. We've got fantasy uh, advice, you know, for, for specific Bears games. Um, you know, we've got our predictions. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of content there that I think Bears fans would really enjoy. And and yeah, so I'm at uh, J Wright uh, BDR. Uh, you know, Dangles at BDR Dangle. Uh, you've got you know Patrick you know Sheldon who works for Fansided is just awesome. We bring him on and he, he replaces every once in a while for Logan Bradley, who's also like legit in the business. Logan Bradley working for Fox Sports and then Brendan Shagru recently came on. He kind of does it all he bears wire and he's on our podcast and so you can find us we're out there we're loving it we're pretty new and it has been a year that's gone by fast but I, for i don't know about you all but it's just been a labor of love it's a beautiful side hustle i just really enjoy it and i'm thankful for it i'm thankful for you guys well, thanks very much it would have to be a labor of love for us because at 4 30 <laughs> in the morning we'd be watching games or at yes. 5 30 in the morning we're struggling in there to try and see if we can get on yes. uh, we've got some really regular guys and, and i always love to throw this guy up at the end it's brew hall just because he's a he's bit awesome. of a legend he's awesome uh, he's he's also not predicting the bears lose 15 12 he's just predicting 12 to 15 beers is what he's gonna have before the end of, <laughs> yeah. before well, the game's he's over so like, again like, there's there's absolutely nothing else and this he this is why he's a legend. And it's how I'm going to finish the show, which is BDR is great and Packers suck. So Cheers. literally, Noel, thank you so much for, for getting involved. Jack, again, really, really appreciate it. No worries. Great to talk to you, Jack. And nice as always, you. as we head towards the Ravens game, can I get a bear down for everyone on three? One, two, three. Bear, bear down. down.